Welcome to the Word of Life podcast, a ministry of Word of Life Church, located in Lesueur, Minnesota. From sermon audio to midweek content and much more, we hope you are blessed by what you hear. For more information or to donate, please visit wordoflifemn.com. Now, enjoy this week's episode. Good morning. Welcome to Word of Life this morning. We are so glad that you are, uh, you are here, that you're worshiping with us, not only here in the worship center in Lesueur, but for those of you who are joining us on our online campus, we greet you as well this morning. Before we jump into our message for today, would you join me in a word of prayer? Heavenly Father, we are so... We are so grateful for who you are. God, on this day that we celebrate this first day of Advent, the the hope candle, this message of hope that you delivered to the world through your Son, Jesus Christ, we glorify your name. God, as we find ourselves in in kind of this weird spot, kind of post-Thanksgiving, but It's still a little too warm out to be Christmas and and all of these things, God. I pray that you would meet us here today. Meet us with your word. God, we pray for word of life this morning, for our church body, across all campuses. God, we know that you were working in the lives of individuals to continue to draw us nearer to you. That you are emboldening and invigorating and encouraging us to share this news of the gospel with our loved ones, with our friends and neighbors and coworkers. God, we also know that you are the great physician that you are the God who not only heals physically, not only heals our temporary bodies on this earth, but God, that you are the one who healed us forever. You are the one who raised us in new life. But God, in this moment, in this life, we ask for, for healing in so many situations. God, we pray this morning for Matt House, a young man and in good health, but Lord is having open heart surgery this morning. We pray that you would guide the surgeons, guide their hands in what they are to do to remedy the situation. Give Matt your peace and your comfort, his family as well in a time like this. God, we lift up other members of our church body as well. I pray for Tom, Kurt, Jeff, Caleb, Nathan, Cora, Susan, Becky, Pat, AJ, and Mariah. 
got all sorts of situations, all sorts of different ailments and recoveries and, and all sorts of things. God, above it all, would you do your work as the God of peace? Lord, we also lift up to you our communities. We lift up to you Lesur, Henderson, New Prague and Montgomery and Lee Center and Belle Plaine and Jordan and St. Peter and Mankato and all of this area, Lord, that we feel, as, especially as we enter into this time of Advent, Lord, we feel that darkness that's in the world. God, we pray that your light of hope would shine bright in our communities. So Lord, bless us now. Bless us with your presence. Bless us with your wisdom as we dig into your word. Point us to Christ. Pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So I don't mean to start, you know, controversial right away. I, you know, I know it's church. We're coming. Some of you, you know, we're kind of still coming over. You know, maybe you haven't gotten over eating the big meal on Thanksgiving yet. But I'm going to be a little controversial this morning. I want to ask a question. How many of you had your Christmas decorations up before Thanksgiving? Yes. Okay. You are, you are my people. This is good. Okay. For the rest of you, that's okay. We still love you. No, no you know what? Um, I grew up, uh, so I grew up in a family uh, in a home that was like definitely a Christmas the day after Halloween. Know what I mean? Um, uh, even now my wife didn't. My, you know, that was, you know, it was after Thanksgiving. I, I think my mother-in-law kind of has her stuff up now. But um, we would, uh, and we still do, when we go back in the fall to go visit my folks, um, mom's always got a really good reason of why the decorations are up like November 2nd. Uh, you know, well, you know, we're having folks over and want to have the house look nice. And I get it, that's all right. We, we grew up in a really big Christmas family. Uh, the one who really kind of instilled that, uh, not only for me, but in, uh, for my mom as well, was my grandma. Her name was Arliss. Uh, grandma uh, went home to be with the Lord a couple years ago. But if there was like something that you knew about Grandma Arliss, is that she thought about Christmas like 12 months out of the year. About eight years ago, she, uh, she moved into a home in, in Minot, North Dakota, uh, just down the street from my parents, so it'd be a little easier, a little closer to mom and dad. It was a townhome, and this townhome came with uh, three garage stalls. And the first one was for her car. The second one was for her riding lawnmower. And the third one was custom shelves lined with Rubbermaid totes. I mean, it must have been 40 or 50 Rubbermaid totes that was just Christmas decorations. I told you, I grew up, you know, Christmas came right after Halloween. I think for my grandma Arliss, especially in the later years, Christmas really happened like the day after Labor Day. Um, and I, you know, we would kind of roll our eyes at it. Oh, Grandma, like, it's a little early for Christmas. But, you know, the more and more I think about it, 
the more it really warms my heart to see that. Grandma lived in a spirit of Christmas 12 months out of the year. Um, for me, I, I, I have this tension. So because I come from a really Christmassy family, um, I have to kind of temper a little bit for my wife so it doesn't like totally drive her insane. Um, my, my Amazon shopping cart right now has Christmas inflatables in it. Um, and, and I'm working on her. We'll share pictures later in the season. Actually, have you ever been to this store? Um, I just had heard about this the other day. Have you ever been to the store at home? Have you ever heard of this? It's like a home goods store. There's one up in Burnsville. Um, I was in there two weeks ago and I found what I want for Christmas. There was a Santa, an inflatable Santa that was uh, 25 feet tall. And I texted a picture to Brittany, and I'm like, this is it, this is what we want. And she texted me back, and she's like, that might be the tallest structure in New Prague if you put that up. Like, you could drive into town and know where the Olsons live, but this big inflatable Santa. We were just, decorating for Christmas is, is great. It's great for a couple of reasons, right? It's fun, it gets the festive. Uh, thank you for all who put in work to, to decorate the Lasur campus today. It looks great. But I think Decorate for Christmas does something else for us, right? It, it, it brings back memories of Christmas past. Now, I don't know what kind of decorations you have at your house. If you, it's traditional or modern. You know, maybe you go kind of minimalist. Or uh, maybe your house uh, looks like this. Absolutely. Yeah, this is, yeah, hashtag life goals uh, for me. Um, and I'm sure if you've seen this movie, you already got like lines that are running through. Um, maybe that aren't appropriate on a Sunday morning. But yeah, this is like, this is it. But you know, this is what I think it is. This is what I think it is. I think Christmas is this last kind of universal um, beacon of hope. Right, it's, it's something that we've like agreed on that no matter what is going on in the world, no matter what your year has been, that this season of Christmas kind of brings back a little bit of hope. Right, even if it's hope that's contrived from like the Hallmark Company or whatever, like it brings back a sense of hope and joy. Uh, we are... Uh, today, uh, entering into this uh, season in the church calendar called Advent. And really in the spirit of Advent, it is recognizing, like uh, I said in, in our prayer, it's recognizing um, this darkness 
that is part of the world. I, I, I think we feel this in so many ways, right? If the, the people that you interact with or you turn on the TV and watch the news or, or you know, I, again, some of you are coming off of Thanksgiving meals that, you know, I don't know what the conversations were around the table. Um, but we feel this, like there's something more that should be here. Maybe a hopelessness. And Advent what it does for us is in this season of darkness, we see this light of hope that starts small and begins to grow throughout the season. And if you know Jesus Christ as your Savior, you know what that light of hope is. And like a candle in the darkness, it illuminates so much more than the darkness overshadows. In the season of Christmas, the season of Advent, what it does for us is it causes us to pause and think about two things. Think about Christmas's past and think about the future. You know, Advent does the thing for us. It, it reminds us how much time has kind of a hold on our lives. You know, time keeps marching on. We can't stop the clock. We can't stop this, this forward motion through life. But one thing time can't do is time can't stop you from looking back, even as you're moving forward. And what Advent invites us to do is to look back, to look back 2,000 years ago to stories that you've heard countless times before, but to see the light of hope in a world of darkness. So today, what we're going to do is we're going to start with a very traditional week one of Advent text. Before you get to the story of the birth of Jesus, the Gospels start with another story, a story that in some ways isn't uh, isn't unique in how God operates, right? We know that God operates in, in ways that are not necessarily how we would write the story. God does things that are unexpected that just keep pointing to how great he is. One of the ways that he does that is he uses um, unexpected births. Um, especially like with women in, in older age, um, this, this word that we use of, of barren uh, or perceived uh, to be barren. And God uses situations like that to bring glory to his name. Uh, you think about the birth of Isaac in the Old Testament, right? And they talk about how old Abraham and Sarah were. And Sarah thinking that she was never gonna have a son, and this promise that God had given to Abraham that he was going to be the father of nations. And when was this going to come? In Genesis, it talks about that Abraham was 100 years old and Sarah was in her 90s. She gave birth to her son Isaac. It's a good parallel to our text Today, if you have your Bibles with you, we are in Luke chapter 1. Um, 
You know, sometimes we invite you to stand to hear the Word of God. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to invite you to sit and hear the Word of God. And here's why. We are going to cover a lot of verses in a short amount of time this morning. So if you have your Bibles with you, um, I know we say this every week. If you have your Bibles with you, turn to Luke chapter 1. Honestly, if you really do, because it might be helpful to follow in the story, or if you've got your phone with you. If not, you're going to keep up real well up here. Um, but this is Luke chapter 1, verse 5. Excuse me, reading in Jesus' name. In the days of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah of the division of Abijah, and he had a wife from the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. And they were both righteous before God, walking blamelessly in all the commandments and statutes of the Lord. But they had no child, because Elizabeth was barren, and both were advanced in years. Now, while he was serving as priest before God, when his division was on duty, according to the custom of the priesthood, he was chosen by lot to enter the temple of the Lord, and burn incense. And the whole multitude of the people were praying outside at the hour of incense. And there appeared to him an angel of the Lord standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And Zechariah was troubled when he saw him, and fear fell upon him. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah, for your prayer has been heard, and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you shall call him John. And you have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth. For he will be great before the Lord. And he must not drink wine or strong drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit, even from his mother's womb. And he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God. And he will go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready for the Lord a people prepared. And Zechariah said to the angel, how shall I know this? I mean, for I am an old man and my wife is advanced in years. And the angel answered him, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God and I was sent to speak to you and to bring you this good news. And behold, you you will be silent and unable to speak until the day that these things take place because you did not believe my words which will, which will be fulfilled in their time. And the people were waiting for Zechariah and they were wondering at his delay in the temple. And when he came out, he was unable to speak to them and they realized that he had seen a vision in the temple and he kept making signs to them and remained mute. And when his time of service was ended, he went to his home. After these days, his wife Elizabeth conceived, and for five months she kept herself hidden, saying, Thus the Lord has done for me in the days when he looked on me to take away my reproach among people. Now we're going to move down the page a little bit. Um, there's this whole interaction between Elizabeth and her cousin Mary, uh, who is also uh, with son <laughs> at the time. Pastor Jay is actually going to speak more on that uh, part of the passage next week. So we're going to jump down to verse 57. Now the time came for Elizabeth to give birth. She bore a son. And her neighbors and relatives heard that the Lord had shown great mercy to her, and they rejoiced with her. 
And on the eighth day, they came to circumcise the child. And they would have called him Zechariah after his father, but his mother answered, no, he shall be called John. And they said to her, none of your relatives is called by this name. And they made signs to his father inquiring what he wanted uh, the baby to be called. And he asked for a writing tablet and wrote, his name is John. And they all wondered. And immediately his mouth was opened and his tongue loosed and he spoke, blessing God. And fear came on all their neighbors. And all these things were talked about throughout the hill country of Judea. And all who heard them laid them up in their hearts saying, what then will this child be? For the hand of the Lord was with him. And his father Zechariah was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied saying this, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he has visited and redeemed his people. He has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David. As he spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets from of old, that we should be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us, to show mercy promised to our fathers and to remember his holy covenant the oath that he swore to our father Abraham to grant us that we, being delivered from the hand of our enemies, might serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all our days. And you, child, will be called the prophet of the Most High, for you will go before the Lord to prepare his ways to give knowledge of salvation to his people in the forgiveness of their sins because of the tender mercy of our God, whereby the sunrise shall visit us from on high to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet on the way of peace. And the child grew and became strong in spirit, and he was in the wilderness until the day of his public appearance to Israel. See, this story of this elderly priest named Zechariah and his equally elderly wife, Elizabeth, who was barren. And like I said before, this, this connection between Abraham and Sarah and Zechariah and Elizabeth is there. She was... She was old and barren. But of course, this is who God would use to work miracles, to work a, a miracle uh, to point to his name, to point to his glory. Because this is how God works. God does not work in the ways that we think that he should work in. And God does not work in the timeline that we think that he should work in. That God's plan is much larger than our own. And though these two, it said that they, they, were, they followed all of the statutes of the Lord, this was, a, this was a godly couple, that they were without child. And that they felt the, they felt the pain of that. And, and likely at this point had written off all hope that it would happen. I know some of you have waited. Some of you are still waiting. There, that, that longing that comes with being a want for a child is profound. And by this point in their life, 
I don't know what they were hanging on to. But they were still faithful to God. And so Zechariah and his job as a priest, it was their turn to, to go and, and enter the temple and do some of the, the priestly duties that would cycle through these different groups. And Zechariah, it says by lot, right? I mean, really by chance, he is, he is chosen to go and burn the incense. And then the angel Gabriel appears. And I think this says something really profound about us as humans. Um, maybe more profound as, uh, of us as sinners. I, I've never had, I don't know about you, I've never had a physical encounter with an angel. If you have, I would love to talk to you about that afterwards. But like, I can only imagine that it's a fairly spectacular experience. And so Gabriel in all of his, uh, you know, all of his glory, he, he shows up and he, sa- he says this to Zechariah that you, that Elizabeth is going to have a son and, and you're going to name him John and he's going to go to do some incredible things. And I think in all of this, it says something really interesting about us as sinners is that he still doubted. Like, he is being shown God's plan. How many of us have like wanted that? Like, God, just show me what your plan is for my life. And then I'd be good. He has shown God's plan right here. And he's like, but how do I, like, can you confirm that? How will I know? And in this, Zechariah then gets nine months of silence, of thinking about that encounter with Gabriel. I love that Gabriel's response is, I am Gabriel. Like, hello, are you here? Like, do you recognize what's going on right now? And in this nine months of silence, we don't know what was going through Zechariah's mind, obviously. But he was given this word of hope and a very specific word that they would have a son. But it's really this word of hope that says a lot to us today as well. We fast forward to John being born and on the day of the circumcision and they, and they name him. Catch that it would have been very odd to not choose a family name. We, I don't know how much we do that anymore. Um, I, uh, my daughter, her name is Eleanor. Um, and, and I don't know how much we had, we had really planned this before Brittany was pregnant with her. Um, but we decided we were going to name her after, uh, I told you about my grandma Arliss, but my grandma Eleanor. And, um, and grandma's still alive. And it was very cool. Like, hey, we're going to name our daughter after you. And she, uh, grandma being, you know, a very stoic North Dakotan, you know, not a lot of emotion in it. And just like, oh, that's nice. Uh, I don't know what, what it's like in your, in your family. Um, I have a friend of mine uh, who just got installed as uh, the pastor at our sister church in Antler, North Dakota. And his name is Mars Lena Harper III, which I think is great. He's got a son, Mars Lena Harper IV. What a great, like, what a great tradition. I don't know what that's like in your family, but that would have been the expectation 
uh, here. We see, um, we see evidence of this throughout uh, the scriptures. Um, uh, fast forward to Jesus's kind of mock trial and when he is put up uh, between him and the criminal named Barabbas. And that name would have been a name, Bar in Hebrew means son. It would have been son of his father, Bar Abbas. And so it's, it's really unique here that, that this boy is not going to carry on any kind of family name. They're not reaching into the family lineage or anything like that. His name is to be John. And I love this, that after nine months, the first words out of Zechariah's mouth is blessing and praise to God. Um, we read that, that passage there. Uh, maybe uh, if you were following along in your Bible, it had a headline, something about Zechariah's song or maybe Zechariah's uh, prophecy. Uh, Throughout the kind of uh, um, the annals of church history, this song became what is known as a as a canticle. It was this is kind of a, a, a treasured and beloved song throughout the scripture, and this one is called the Benedictus. And in Latin, it says this: Benedictus Dominus Deus. Last week I gave you Norwegian. This week we're giving Latin. I don't really speak all these languages, but I had to look it up. Benedictus Dominus Deus, which means blessed be the Lord God. His words are fitting, not only at that time, but they're fitting for us to ponder and to take to heart this morning. See, again, Advent, this season, it lets us look to God's work. Not only God's work in the past of this, of making a miraculous birth happen, not only for John, but certainly for, for Jesus, but so much more. It gives us hope as we look back to what, Christ, what God has done through Christ in this remaking of, of a highway to your heart, this, this healing that God does on your heart, not, not just by tinkering around on your heart, but what, it, what Scripture actually says is that God, that you were to die and to be raised up in new life in Jesus Christ. This miraculous rebirth that God does in your life through his son, Jesus. Some 2,000 years after John, I don't know, spoiler alert, if you <laughs> read on, if you haven't caught on to this yet, this isn't just some John, this is John who becomes John the Baptist. And some 2,000 years after John did his baptizing in the wilderness along the Jordan, his ministry of repentance and forgiveness of sin comes to prepare us to receive the word made flesh today. There's a part in that prophecy where Zechariah, verse 79, 
He says to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death. In the, uh, the verse before that, where the sunrise shall visit us from on high. You know, I mentioned this last week as we were preparing for Thanksgiving, but so much more now. <clears throat> for a lot of us in this room, we have experienced loss and pain in one way or the other. Now, the holidays... Though a time of hope and Hallmark cards and, and, and memories and, and, and lighten up your tree or lighten up your house so like you can see it from space. Like all of those things, like all of those, these happy, warm things too. But there's this other side of it where some of us have felt like we were closer to the veil of, of death more than other times of the year. And I think of this verse, this verse of verse 79 this dark place is in the shadow of our death. What the message of hope is to us this morning is that they have been overcome by the Son of God who will come again to enlighten us and guide us in the way of peace. So that though we may feel like we have been overshadowed by death, what in reality has happened is that we have been overshadowed by God, by a gracious God. He has brought about a miraculous conception and rebirth of new life in the barrenness of our hearts. And as with the story of the baby Jesus, it has been conceived and brought forth solely by the word of God and the Holy Spirit. So like I mentioned earlier, that as we, as, as we move forward toward the future and we look back at this story of Christmas, we look back at a story and at an account of a word of hope. We have this knowledge of salvation but the forgiveness of sins. But we await a time when sin and darkness are no more. We hope for what Christ has promised. Not only do we celebrate Advent now, but we look forward to his second Advent, to his return. And our hope for the future is not without evidence. God's acts of mercy and love and salvation on our behalf, which he has showed most fully in the incarnation and life and death and resurrection of Jesus. God shows us this, that the word made flesh was delivered to us for our salvation. The season of Advent turns us around to walk backwards into Christmas. We get to face the work of Christ's first coming as we anticipate his return. So my friends, hear this message of hope as we enter into this season. That if you feel hopeless, that you feel like you have been overshadowed by the shadow of death, hear this message of hope. That this God that does miraculous things in ways that we would never predict and in a time that only he knows, this God who does incredible things 
in people's lives. He is the God who sent his son to take our penalty, the penalty for our sin, so that we may live in the assurance and the hope, not a blind, I hope it all works out, but no, we can stand on two feet on the sure rock of hope that is Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. God, you are faithful. You are our sure rock. God, it is not a hope That, fall, that, is, that is blind. It's not a hope that I hope it all works out in the end. But no, God, it is a sure hope and faith that is only found in Jesus Christ. That is only given by Jesus Christ. That is only experienced in Jesus Christ. God, I am so thankful that you are our hope. God, would you remind us of that this morning? As we enter into this Christmas season and all of the, all of the joys and, and maybe even the pains that come with it, God, would we look to you as we move forward in this life ever closer to being in communion with you. God, we praise your glorious name. Amen.